0: Look, I can be great, but I can't beat myself up for the times that things don't go right. Especially when, when things don't go right, it had nothing to do with what it did. Like, I, I look back and I go, could I have done any better? And if the answer is no, then you just have to move on.
1: The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades. But the question isn't that. The question is, are you going to be part of what makes dentistry great? Today, I am with the one and only Dr. Travis Campbell, And I met him, let me think now, actually like two years ago, right? In April of 21 at Smiles at Sea. And right off the bat, uh, you stood out. But before I talk about how we met, um, Travis is everything in dentistry. You are an author, you're a clinician, you're an educator, you're a course creator, you're an influencer, you're an innovator, and that's a lot uh, that, that's a lot of different things you do, but it's true. Um, you, you, I feel like you just do everything.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm sure my wife might agree with that is she probably tells me I do a little too much. I don't think of it that way. I just, I do what's needed. I do what I see is necessary. And that's what it comes down to.
1: So right when I met you, that's kind of what stood out to me is that you had this powerful presence, um, like a really quiet confidence, but at the same exact time, I could tell you really were like original. Um, you 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 had tuned into like who you were and you just walked in that. And I say that because a lot of times there's these types, um, you know, people that we look up to, heroes, and you almost feel like in order to be a speaker or in order to be successful in dentistry, you have to be this type. And I saw you there at Smiles at Sea, wearing your backpack most of the time, <laughs> and you were just you, and mm-hmm. yet it was more than enough. I mean, you command respect, uh, people listen to you, you go by different brand monikers, right? You are the practice whisperer, and you're, I guess, in the last, what, two, three years, now you're also the insurance guy.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Like,
1: how did, how did these brands form?
0: So... <sighs> years ago i didn't know what i was doing i mean i opened a practice from scratch when i first graduated knew nothing about business knew minimal about dentistry i mean i had decent education but i've learned a ton since and i screwed up a lot and i tried to find sources and answers i hired a bunch of consultants um and i didn't get a ton out of it so i started looking for my own answers and you know and i had some great consultants don't get me wrong but it was, everyone wanted to put me in a cookie cutter. They wanted to put me in their view of an office versus my view of an office. And for us, a lot of dentists, I think we have our own uniqueness that we don't want to change. Um, we just need to improve and be better with who we are and what we are. So that started, you know, I ended up going to some conventions where I ended up being more of what they call an expert. I I wouldn't have called myself an expert back then. I just, I screwed up enough that I had answers for how to handle the screw-ups. And during that time period, somebody called me the practice whisperer. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, At the time, my wife and I were actually watching a show called Ghost Whisperer great old, old show, but, um, so it's like, okay, that that's really cool. I'll, I'll play with that one. And then, you know, as that transformed, most of the questions I was getting was about dental insurance and I mean, there's a ton of practice management people out there, but there's almost nobody out there talking about dental insurance in a way that's actually correct. Meaning they can link back to source information that, you know, validates what they're saying. And so I just, I started getting more and more questions on that. And so I still do the practice management stuff, but I focus mostly on the dental insurance side. Um, and that's where the website came. I, I, that's where most people want me to go speak. It's usually about dental insurance. Although I was just in another state talking about patient experience and you know how to improve that for the office um, and what that can do for the office. So it's been fun. Um, For me, I just, I think one of my weaknesses is I get bored really easily. And so being able to do different things throughout the week make my life fun and exciting. So I enjoy it. So you
1: literally just said so many things that I've identified as the right mindset for success. And I, I even like think of it as an innovative mindset, like how to actually fail forward or fail Mm fast and even have the humility to be like okay that didn't work next and and i feel like i don't know it's just it's such a stark contrast to so much of what i see in dentistry though where unfortunately like there's so such a big ego around perceived success Mm -hmm. that a lot of dentists don't really want to talk about failures or the fact that they screwed up or they they don't even want to be in a situation where they could fail.
0: I think a lot of that's the type of people that are dentists. You know, I'm one of them. I mean very type A personality, very much I mean most of us are perfectionists. And dental school just makes that even worse. I mean it's you know beaten into us from the nth degree we have to focus on being perfect. And yet if we've really boiled down to it, there is no such thing as perfection and all of us fail. And it's called the practice of dentistry and the practice of healthcare for a reason is none of us are ever going to be perfect. We're all going to screw up in some ways. But when I first graduated, did I know that? No, I, I did not accept that. I did not believe that it did not come into play until I started realizing, I'm like, look, I can be great, but I can't beat myself up for the times that things don't go right. Especially when when things don't go right, it had nothing to do with what it did. Like I, I look back and I go, could I have done any better? And if the answer is no, then you just have to move on. Um, and I think that's, I had a burnout out point uh, about five years out that I hadn't learned that lesson yet. And that was one of the lessons I had to learn was failure is not a failure unless you let it beat you down, unless you don't take it as an ordinary experience Um, if you take it as a learning experience, it's just part of your career. I mean, that's being a professional working with the human body. We have to deal with so many unknowns and so many things that don't work the way they should work and we have to cope with it. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's been super important to be able to actually still do dentistry and love what I do. I love clinical, um, so much. I I don't see myself ever getting out of dentistry, but, um, I've definitely had to look at it differently than I did when I first graduated.
1: Everything you're saying is, I don't want to say it's overwhelming, but it's like, it's uncommon. Can I call you Travis?
0: Sure.
1: Okay. <laughs> Dr. Campbell. <laughs> so I Travis, don't it care, is uncommon way. <laughs> to five years in, um, identify that as a limiting mindset and be able to actually overcome that. Like awareness, sure is the first step to overcoming something, but just because we're aware of like, oh man, you know, I have perfectionist tendencies, or um, I don't like failing or just the, my whole relationship and tension with failure, just because we're aware of that doesn't mean we're actually going to overcome so i'm I'm just saying that is so uncommon from the dentist that I've met, um, you know, that whole idea of like fake it till you make it, There's a lot of faking it going on, and I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that, but but your tone of transparency makes dentistry great. I I feel like that's one of the greatest gifts that you bring to dentistry is I'm not hiding. This is my story. I've messed up a ton and I messed up so you don't have to,
0: (laughs) right? I appreciate that. Um, I mean, that was the entire first book I wrote was all about failures and I just laid them out on the table and go, look, this is what I screwed up. Um, This is what I learned from it. And therefore, hopefully you can learn something from it too.
1: Now, one of the themes, so again, for like this podcast, innovation in dentistry, I don't really, I'm not as focused on uh, product or clinical innovation <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. It's much more about like, what is it that allows a dentist, a dental professional, or someone in dentistry to all of a sudden, I don't know, like give themselves permission to pioneer, to make dentistry great. And you could have just played by the rules, not that there's like. Implied rules, but it's like, yeah, like you're a dentist. Does does there have to be more than that? You have a practice. It didn't have to be more than that. Like, where did you, I mean, you gave us a little bit of insight in the sense that you say you get bored easily. So you're like the curiosity and probably your love for learning probably drove you into what else can I do? But I'm just saying, was there a moment where you felt like someone else gave you that permission to pioneer or you just feel like that was always who you were?
0: I don't think either is necessarily true. Um I think it was just it happens. I mean I I can't look back at my life and ever say, hey, there was this one defining point that changed anything. I um, mean I wanted to be a dentist since I was like three years old. So there wasn't any like, oh my gosh, it just changed my mind, I don't want to be a dentist. There was no point at which I said, you know, hey, I just want to do this one thing. It was Writing, I mean, I always kind of knew I wanted to own an office and run it, Um, mostly because I can't, I don't think I could accept being an employee for long. I mean, that's, I guess, another weakness is (laughs) I'm just not going to do that. Um, But it. I can't say there was any one moment. It was taking the moments as they come. It was, you know, again, we fail, we succeed. It's what do you take from that? What do you learn from it? And I think that's what I've learned to focus on, but I don't know if there's any one thing that made me do it. I read a lot. Like I said, I've spent way too much money on consultants, um, some for good, some for bad. So you just you take what you can get out of every experience. I guess is the key message.
1: So it's my conviction that the greatest strategy for sustained success in dentistry, I mean, really in any endeavor, is to just be original to the way that you are like so much of what you're saying travis is like this is a weakness of mine and i'm aware of it you know you play to your strengths you're aware of your weaknesses but like in this journey of yours kind of um i I don't know i'm just guessing was it 2009 that you graduated dental school
0: Mm -hmm. yep
1: so i'm guessing you didn't graduate and all of a sudden go hey i'm i'm just me and that's the best recipe for me to succeed in dentistry um, <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need to look or model, you know, cause in the beginning stages of success, we model, right. As kids, mm-hmm. we model our parents, we, we model, you know, those kids that are a little older than us that got the girl that we wanted and we go, Oh, they look cool. They did this. We, we do that often, but at some point it transitions to for, for true fulfillment. I need to own who I am. Like, what was that mm-hmm. journey for you?
0: again i don't know if i can point to a specific i will say like i mean i started practice from scratch day one upon graduation Uh, no it didn't get built for you know nine months but it was there day one so i associated for a bit learned some stuff working for someone else about things i wanted to do things i didn't want to do um i mean i had a big failure point i got you know i had a situation a year after i graduated that ended up in a lawsuit now the lawsuit was three years later and that's just how long it took but that was a harsh moment i would say if i have a worst part of my life and my career that would be it easily um but it just you know I, it beat me down for a while and i just had to learn from it and move on um Okay. Okay. So, so before we move
1: on, before we move on, right. this is exactly what I say to people: is that in moments where you, I don't know, like people don't want that to be part of their story. No one says, "Hey, mm-hmm. let me become a dentist, get into a lawsuit early on, and I don't know, have it have it affect my identity, have it affect my mm-hmm. confidence, have it affect um, all these areas of my life." Like no one says, "Yes, please send that my way," <laughs> but it happened, and I always believe that these moments can be moments where it's like a catalyst where you can actually find gold that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to find. Mm -hmm. So other people have experienced hardships. There's a reason why suicide rates are high in dentistry. The profession is difficult. You are here now, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you're, you're ascending the mountaintop In, in certain areas. You are the guy people look to like, how did you get back up? Like, how did you, how did you not just survive that, but turn that into something where you could thrive?
0: That's a great question. Um, I we mean, you make a
1: course on it whenever you figure it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just realizing we are not perfect, we can never be perfect. Um, and just accepting the fact that failures happen. And I mean, having a good support system is great friends, family, my wife, um, my kids kind of came around after. Things start working out. So that's, but kids are great. Um, it's just having people to talk to. I mean, when I first graduated, social media really wasn't much of anything, uh, definitely not in dentistry. And I was on Dentaltown. Um, and I really, back then, I just read a lot. I didn't really post much. Um, but then I started posting answers once I had them, you know, and a lot of what I learned was either through what I learned from others or what i learned from my own mistakes but the the, i guess the thing i've learned over the years is it's not a failure it's not a something that's a negative if you can turn it into a positive meaning yes i got sued um i lost what do you learn from that you can you can either learn you know to be negative about it you can learn that it stinks to be a dentist because we're you know we've got high risk stuff to deal with. You can learn, you know, to take it in a negative light, or you can take and go, you know, how did we get here in the first place? How do we avoid getting here again? Um, Learning how to talk to patients better, learning how to actually take X-rays that we should take, which was really the the main fault of the problem. Um, Instead of letting patients dictate care, Um, you know, and just being able to, talk to people and learn that it's not about the dentistry. The fun little thing you learn around the bend is people don't sue people. They like people sue people they don't like or when they're frustrated. So if you're always there to keep helping, I mean, I've had a lot of situations since then that could have potentially turned into a lawsuit maybe, um, but didn't because I was just there for the patient whatever it may be, you know, whether it's to talk to them or whether it's to calm them down or whether it's to provide the next option. Um, you know, just never giving up, I guess, is the thing. Um, well, like I said, it's just taking that mindset that you need to look at the positive aspects of life because it's, you know, if you look in the positive ways of life, you're going to have a much better life. If you look at the negative aspects of life, that's where your life's going to go. I mean.
1: Yeah. So, so in 2009, you know, you start, you become a dentist. I'm guessing you seem like you've always been a man that's had like a vision, but could you have pictured back then? Okay. So, so 14 years later, here you are, you're speaking nationwide. You have this textbook that sold out about, that's like the Bible on dental insurance. Um, You're in demand in so many different ways. Yeah. You would have been like, Oh yeah, please let me, let me do that. But when like, People would love to be where you're at. Maybe, maybe with a different topic. Maybe not everyone hmm. wants insurance. But in some ways, being able to
0: – I don't think most experience. people want
1: insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's why, yeah, there's a uniqueness to it. But somewhere along the line, sometimes people you know, talk themselves out of it or they have some sort of hmm. limiting belief that they can't overcome. Did you have a limiting belief? Because oh, I, yeah. I know my, mindset-wise, it seems like giving yourself grace and realizing, hey, failures happen to everybody. So I might as well just lean into them and learn as quick as I can mm-hmm. instead of trying to avoid them.
0: I mean, there's absolutely many beliefs. If you had asked me even a decade ago if I would write a book, I would have told you hell no. Um, if you had told me I'd get up and do public speaking, I would have given you a lot more expletives of no. Um, <laughs> I'm a natural introvert. I mean, I know that seems weird if I go out and speak, but it's, it's a difference of, I, I tell people this all the time. When I go to conferences If I'm not the one speaking there, I'm usually the one in the corner, just watching and anything else. When I'm a speaker, people come see me. So I I get to be basically the dentist. You know, I can talk to people one-on-one easy. Um, I can talk to small groups easy. That's not the challenge. I'm not the one that's going to go walk around the room and go meet everybody. That's an extra, that's not me. Um, That would drain. the drives me nuts. But at the same time, at the end of the day, after a conference, I usually go home and either go straight to sleep, which is weird because I'm usually up fairly late normally, but you know, after talking to people all day long, I'm drained. Um, but I enjoy it too. It's fun. So it's one of those things of like, would you have ever been able to convince me I would be where I am now? No, no way possible. Um, but it was at the same time of when opportunities arose, did I turn them down? Not really. I mean, that was the thing is I am I was up for almost anything, even if it was like, well, I don't know about that. That's kind of uncomfortable. I mean, my, my first time I kind of did public speaking was with 12 dentists locally um, at a little scan center. And that's just because the scan center would give us a space for free. And I had people ask me about how, how to make dentures work i was like okay great let's talk about that and so did a little two-hour session and had some dinner and that was it um and that wasn't too bad because i was talking to just dentists and that was fun so it just grew from there it wasn't like i had like oh my gosh i went from doing nothing to speaking to 100 people no um and at the same time when i first started speaking <laughs> I would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse over and over and over again. You know, that whole dentist mentality that I had to get it perfect. And then I realized over time, even speaking, I can't get things perfect. Like i never write anything down anymore of what I'm going to talk about. I just put together some slides to give me a framework of where I'm going and then I just go and do. Um, And that works out a lot better because at least for me, if I try to write down a speech then I know I, I end up missing things that I would have wanted to say, and then that throws me off of thinking, "Oh, what did I miss?" And then I try to think about backtracking. I'm like, "No, I'm just going to go in and just do it." So it's the same thing, like patients. Like when I'm working with patients, I don't look in, you know, look at their chart and go, "This is exactly what I'm going to talk about." I don't have that framework. I just say, "Here's the challenges, um, patient. What about you? What's important?" You know. What are your goals? You know Do these things concern you or not? and then just let the conversation go from there. I don't try to force anything on it. Um, so I guess flexibility going with the flow adaptability has been pretty important. Um, I mean,
1: but those are things that you've had to develop, like consciously yes, because maybe yes. they weren't quite as innate,
0: yeah. Um, because dental school, I mean, for all its positives, it's also got some negatives. It puts you in a very, it puts you in a box and that's the only way to teach it. I don't think there's a better way to teach it. It's just, it puts you in a box. And so you have to learn to think outside that box of, you know, there, there's a million different ways to do clinical dentistry. That's the fun part. And there's a million different ways to run a business. Now, granted, most of them don't work so well, but there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, And so it's the the trying out new things and constantly striving to see. I think a lot of us do this naturally in clinical is striving to find a better way to do dentistry. But then you have to take that same mindset and strive to find a better way to communicate with people, a better way to run the business, a better way to lead the team and realize you're never going to reach the best you can be. And so keep, keep going, keep improving. Even if it's just a tiny bit, that's all that matters is just find one thing to improve and keep going.
1: Again, you just keep dropping these bombs. Like they are just so profound. Um, and I don't want like our listeners to take for granted the fact that like you didn't just arrive at these conclusions and this super strong mindset of, like, like you were saying, incremental gains. the 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 freedom from not having the target be perfection because then you always feel insufficient like Mm -hmm. everything you're saying is something that allows you to almost like be someone that encourages yourself to keep going instead of continuing to hit a crossroad where you lose heart Mm -hmm. or you get discouraged or you feel like you're not enough because battling that is exhausting Mm -hmm. instead it seems like almost you're like no like i've got this i can figure it out it's okay if I don't know how to do it perfectly. It's okay if I deliver a speech and it's not perfect. And all these things are, are just gold. But I also want our listeners to remember, you literally just said, I'm an introvert. And you 100% are. And yet you've succeeded as a speaker, as an influencer, as someone that goes to conferences. And, and I see I've seen you at conferences now, two different times. And I see that you are still so good about being almost like out of your element, but yet still finding ways to connect with people in the way that that you can, which is one-to-one in small groups. Um, And I I just think that's so encouraging. Again, like you break the mold. It's not like someone has to be some crazy extrovert. You know, most people peg me just as a pure extrovert, just because when I talk, I get excited, I come alive. Mm -hmm. But I get so drained by meaningless connection um, or by m- being misunderstood. So like if mm-hmm. I had to do like sales, uh, or cold calls or go to a trade show and try to like solicit people, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I, I get drained so fast. <laughs> but if it's something that I feel seen or known or I'm excited about it, I, I come alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So th- there's always been something that's fascinated me. And the way I've seen it is like, there's the science of dentistry, you know, very, very clinical, very, um, you want to reduce liability. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to experiment, get creative uh, at at the expense of of a, a lawsuit or something like that. I'm not saying you can't push mm-hmm. the bounds in, in certain ways, but then there's like the art of business. And at times I felt like there's a tension that dentists experience between trying to almost like, like take the glasses off with the the clinical piece of again, low risk, low liability and then if you take that into business you're gonna play it safe when really there's no safety in the marketplace like they're, they're, mm-hmm. safety is an illusion right like just try things but you can't have that same mindset in in dentistry and yet somehow you've navigated both of them incredibly well do you see it not quite as distinct like how, how do you navigate that
0: oh um, i guess i've never thought about the difference between Art and science, but I would actually say there's more of a science of business and an art of clinical and the reason I say that is because there's so many ways to do clinical and get a good outcome. And that's how Dennis can argue till they're blue in the face all day long that two people are wrong about a clinical case and yet they're both right I mean, it, it's funny to watch people argue about clinical when I'm like you actually both have a point um. And they'll do it to the degree, it's it's really entertaining. But with business, most business principles are fairly solid, like what works in one business works in all businesses. Now, the nuance may be a little bit different, but there's more of a science of running a business than there is a science of running a practice or, or running the clinical side of a practice because business never changes. The market is the same. The market is the market people are people money is money. It's not like the human body where, well, what works on one person may not work on another. And that's the upside I like, because I actually find myself interested in reading clinical discussions, but I don't tend to get into them nearly as often because I know they're just going to end up in a slog fest of Dennis yelling at each other Um, versus business. It's, there's not a lot of disagreements. It's what's your results? Well, that's an easy thing to show. Versus clinical, I guess, is harder to show other than obviously people love pictures of before and after in dentistry and things like that. But there's lots of ways to do stuff. So I've always, I guess, like I said, I've never thought of it before, but I see the business side and the communication side and everything else actually being a lot more science based. If you look at science as a there's a right and a wrong versus clinical, there's lots of rights. No, there's some wrongs, but there's lots of rights.
1: I think that's absolutely fascinating because I've been talking about this with um, Dr. House, who I podcast with, you know, on The Authentic Dentist, and I've never heard that perspective. So I think it'd be fun. Maybe someday we go live on Facebook and we just kind of uh, have some debate that gets a little bit dramatic because I I feel like the complete opposite still. Like, it's crazy to me because I feel like the body might change with like micro evolutionary stuff, but it's like a tooth is a tooth is a tooth where I feel like the market's always changing because there's new cultural things that happen. There's new, you know, social media type things that change how people interact. Um, no, I I don't want to get into that now, but I'm still fascinated because you actually backed up what you're saying. And I, I can see it from that perspective. Um, now the one thing that I, that I would highlight is like, the relationship with failure, I feel like as a mm-hmm. clinician, you can't say, I'm just going to embrace risk and embrace failing because failing feels like liabilities, mm-hmm. seems like lawsuit. Where in business, it's like, I feel like that's when it comes to the relationship to failure, you almost have to be like, no, no, don't play it safe. Just, just try something. Like if you bomb a marketing campaign, you learn something. But you I agree with that. Bomb, Absolutely. You know, you can't bomb something in someone's mouth or you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be that careless. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, the one thing to think about is how do you come across any large case? I mean, yes, you could be doing, let's say clinical for the dentist. You could be doing a case that you haven't done that type of case before, but you've done every component of the case. So the risk isn't in what you're doing per se. The risk is in putting it all together. That's how we grow. We learn. Um, you know, if you learn to place one implant. Okay. Well, now you can take that a step further, place one and put one behind it. I mean, it's not that much more difficult versus if you look at it and go, i got to place these two implants, i got to place them right the first time. It's a lot more difficult looking at the big picture versus looking at it step by step. I mean, the old adage is how do you eat an elephant? One, one bite at item. a time. So with clinical, it's the same way. It's, how do you handle a major case with a patient? One treatment step at a time. How do you handle a business one improvement at a time? Um, I I talk to people that go to conferences all the time now when I'm hosting them. And near the end, a lot of times what I'm focusing on is how to handle implementation. Because I've been to conferences before where I wrote down a ton of stuff. And then hmm, magically, two months later, nothing's changed. And it's because I didn't write it down. But more importantly, it's I didn't come up with a plan. I tried to say, hey, let's change all of this and that doesn't work versus, okay, here's the, let's say eight steps I want to change. Let's pick one a month and make sure each step actually changes, is integrated into the culture of the practice that people stop thinking about it before you move on to the next one. But then things stick around, things stay, things are consistent Um, and you grow faster taking it one step at a time than trying to jump hurdles, in my opinion.
1: So I, I almost feel like I have to stop you because if you share too much more practical things, we're going to have to charge people <laughs> to listen to this because this is now becoming free consulting. Because <laughs> like, uh, that is damn good advice, Travis. So many dentists go to trade shows and they get all excited. But when it comes down to I'm back in my practice, what am I going to implement? How am I going to break it down? I mean, that, that's the story I heard all the time. Mm-hmm. The dentist came back. The team knows they're going to be excited for a few weeks about something that they want us to do. And if we just kind of nod and say, yeah, we know it's going to blow over. And four or five weeks later, we're just going to go back to business as usual. And it was a great attempt for that dentist to try to lead and initiate change. But when it comes down to it, change management is challenging. It's a Mm -hmm. whole nother expertise that you wouldn't learn in dentistry. Yep. But so much of what you've learned, you haven't learned in dentistry because I feel like you're just committed to being a lifelong learner. So let me tee you up for something here. Um, as someone that is making dentistry great, um, leading on the forefront, when it comes to the next three years, five years, 10 years of dentistry, um, I'm just curious about the vision you see. And again, whether, whether it's something on the clinical side, whether it's something on the insurance side, um, or when it's something that just comes to innovation and where you see the industry going, what are, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, recent or fairly soon, um, AI is going to become huge in lots of different ways, but you know, it'll become huge 3d printing is going to become a much bigger thing. And I'm not a 3d printer yet, but I can see it coming, um, from a long-term point of view, from a business side, I actually see that single doctor offices are going to become very small part of the market it's either going to be group individual practice private practice or dso i mean that's pretty much the two options i see happening only because of economies of scale um, ability to keep costs low works better in groups than it does in singles even if you're talking about groups that are independently owned um, because there's lots of membership groups and buying clubs and things like that now well that's part of the transition. And then interesting part, I'd say, maybe within a decade or so. I would not be shocked if dental insurance got absorbed by medical.
1: Interesting. So so not as much or no divide at all, because right now medical is huge. And dentals like the stepchild. Yeah. So you're feeling like there's going to be possibly some sort of unification of that in the future. (laughs)
0: mostly because dental insurance right now is often sold as a add on or even a giveaway in order to get the medical sold.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. Okay. So I have one question uh, for you in close, but before we go there, I want to know, is there anything you want to share just that you want to bring attention to that's either like a passion project of yours right now, uh, an upcoming event or just something that you'd want eyeballs on?
0: Um, it, you know, I could talk about stuff I do, but people should focus on what is going to drive them. And so if it's something in your office that is not working, fix it, find a solution. Um, whether it's, you know, you're not getting enough new patients, there's solutions for that. Whether it's your treatment acceptance is low well, there's solutions for that, First solution is actually look at your treatment acceptance number. I talked to somebody earlier today, I was coaching, and he thought his treatment acceptance was a lot higher until he actually put numbers to it. And he started watching it. He's like, he actually did really well one month. He was like 60%. And then a couple other months he was like 30%. He's like, Oh my gosh, it's a lot lower than I thought. I was like, Yeah, so let's talk about how you fix that. And we spent two hours and he's like, Oh my god, that's amazing. So it's it's find the solution you're looking for. Um You know, I've got insurance solutions on my website. I've got, you know, the practice management solutions with our conferences, but there's also lots of other solutions out there. So whether people come to me or not is important. I think the important part is that people look for what they can improve, basically what is not going perfect. And assuming that you're never going to get perfect, you can just reach for it. And then find what's going to get you that next step of the way. That's what to focus on, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so this is uh, a question. Hopefully it takes you by surprise, but if not, that's okay. So you today um, meet Travis Campbell of 2009. He just graduated. And you have some parting sentiment, some sentence, paragraph, minute, whatever. What is it you would say to him, knowing what you
0: know now? I know you're signed up for that Invisalign course and you love clinical and that you're going to go sign up for a bunch of clinical stuff too because it's fun and exciting. Don't. Go focus on how to talk to people, how to be a leader, how to communicate with patients. That is what's going to change your career. Then focus on the clinical. But don't focus on the shiny clinical objects first. Focus on the talking to other human beings. Focus on how to work with a team, focus on how to talk to patients, how to understand what they want so that we can provide it for them. And then go add clinical later because I have taken so many clinical courses that gave me zero benefit in the long run because I wasn't ready to get patients to accept getting that treatment done.
1: Wow, that was incredibly uh, concise and like, yeah, you you just hit that straight on. Okay. So someone wants to follow you. They want to connect with you. Maybe they want to hire you to be a consultant um, or they want to be part of your tribe. Where do they go?
0: Um, dentalinsuranceguy.com, practicewhisperer.com. I'm on Facebook a ton. Um, Dental Insurance Guy has an Instagram page that's fairly active. So there's lots of ways to find me.
1: Awesome. Hey, Dr. Travis Campbell, thank you so much for your time. I totally appreciate it. You are just crushing it. I'm so on board with everything you're doing in dentistry. And I just want to honor you, not just as a leader, but as an innovator. So again, thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you, Sean.
1: Thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode. To learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.